Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Utes insider for KSLSports.com. I am very excited to start another piece of the puzzle here. Uh, We are relaunching Crimson Corner, and I will be your host for that going forward. And it only made sense to kind of go back to my roots before I was at KSL and bring on one of my longtime colleagues and good friends, full-time Steve Bartle from UteZone.com. Hey, Steve, what's up? What's up, Michelle? Uh, man, it's awesome to join you on the Crimson Corner. Uh, excited for you and happy to be here, man. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's... Summer's kind of a quiet period overall, unless something just absolutely catastrophic happens. However, the one part of summer that is a little bit busy is June. Uh, We have recruiting visits coming up. We have camps going all throughout June. You know, what does Utah currently have on the docket for this month that you fans should be aware of? Yeah, it's definitely a, a busy month. To say the least, like you said, recruiting kind of ramps up in the month of June. This is really the time for Utah and all programs across college football uh, to bring kids in for official visits. Um, So this is kind of an open period throughout the month of June, and then we enter a dead period again in July. Uh, And so this is where you're going to see Utah bring in a lot of their top targets. You know, if if you want to go back to last year, this is when they welcomed Nate Johnson, Brandon Rose, Jalen Glover, you know, in for official visits. All three of those guys committed over the summer to Utah. And, you know, obviously they've, most of them, I think all of them now actually, uh, are now here in Salt Lake City. Uh, obviously Jalen Glover and Brandon Rose enrolled early, but Nate Johnson is in Salt Lake City now as well. So, you know, the the month of June is a big one and, you know, I think we've seen the impact of 
Utah's Pac-12 championship this cycle uh, because they are bringing in just a, a number of highly talented prospects, and their month of June is loaded uh, with with good talent um, each and every weekend, it seems like. So uh, pretty exciting you know, for Utah football fans. Uh, this is definitely ex- an exciting time, and uh, I, it's it's pretty impressive just the list of visitors that Utah's been able to secure throughout the month of June. So a lot of fun. Absolutely. And, and that's a good point is recruiting. You don't really see the bump from a good season or a great season until the next recruiting cycle. So it makes sense that Utah is starting to see that now for the 2023 class. Uh, it has very little to do with the 2022 class, which already kind of had made up their mind as far as what they were going to do there. With that said, do you know about how many visits Utah's planning on holding? Yeah, so uh, just uh, what we know so far. So Utah's going to welcome you know a number of unofficial visitors, which you know with their elite camps uh, that they'll have in the middle of June, um, they'll welcome some guys there, you know, to participate and compete in camp to get a better look at them. So you know, there's going to be a large number of unofficial visitors. Um, you know, it started yesterday. Zach Marshall, a, a talented prospect out of Southern California, took an unofficial visit to Utah. Um, and, you know, throughout the rest of the month, you're going to see Utah welcoming. Uh, we've got 22 total visitors, official visitors. These are official visits. So 22 total visitors uh, throughout the month of June. And it starts this weekend. I think Utah's welcoming five official visitors. Um, so, you know, each and every week is going to be just jam-packed with highly talented prospects. And like I said, this week, they've got five. They're welcoming five this week. They start rolling in tomorrow. So, you know, an official visit, they'll be here for 48 hours. They usually get in on Friday. They spend Saturday and Sunday together. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's like I said, it's a loaded, loaded, loaded month, um, 22 visitors officially. And it's likely that we see a couple more secured later in the month as well. So that number could grow. Um, which is, like I said, uh, pretty exciting. It, that's kind of crazy that, r- at least as of right now, the number's 22. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just yeah, kind of hit pretty, me. Uh, yeah, pretty it, pretty one, cool. Once again, that number, huge significance for Utah because of what happened to Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. Uh, and it just always seems to kind of pop up in the strangest ways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it really does. It um, really does. It really does. Uh, I I don't know. I think they're looking out for him. Uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys that are planning on coming through. Is there anyone else of particular note that fans should maybe keep tabs on throughout the 2023 recruiting cycle? I mean, I think when you talk about, you know, guys to pay attention to, yeah, it starts locally, right? Like you always want to recruit in your own backyard uh you want to keep the talent home and so you know at the top of that list you've got a guy out of american fork and hunter clegg a talented four-star defensive end um and hunter and hunter has that type of game that defensive end where you know he's the type of player that you can utilize on the edge to get after the the quarterback to be a pass rusher to apply pressure you know in the backfield on a consistent basis so uh, I've had the opportunity to, 
you know, watch Hunter compete and have had the opportunity to talk to him a couple times. He's a great kid, great prospect. And so, you know, he's certainly at the top of the list. You've got other guys locally as well. Spencer Fano, you know, talented offensive tackle out of Temp View. Um, you know, and then you've got other guys. And this is kind of the cool thing. This is where you really see the impact of last year's success. Utah's hosting, um, so 24-7 sports, we have our, you know, everybody has kind of their their own unique, like these are the top guys of the class, like ESPN, they've got, you know, top 300. Uh, Rivals has a top 200 or top 100 type deal. For 24-7 sports, it's a top 247, just kind of playing on the name. Mm-hmm. And so Utah's welcoming six guys that rank in that top 247, um, which I can't remember Anytime Utah's welcomed that number of highly rated guys. And so to do that within a four week span where you're welcoming um, six guys rated in the top 247 players overall, you know, in the class, that's pretty remarkable. And it starts this weekend with Anthony James, um, a very promising, highly rated uh, defensive lineman out of Texas. Um, We have him as the number 54 overall player in the class. And just for context, you know, Lander Barton last year was a near five-star prospect and and ranked the number 40 prospect. So uh, Anthony James is one of the most talented prospects in the class. And then you look to next week, you welcome Walker Lyons, uh, a a talented tight end out of Folsom, Northern California. Um, He is one of the top talents in the country the number 74 overall player in the class, according to the composite. So not only is he highly rated by us, he's highly rated by everybody else in the industry as as well. He's arguably the top talent uh, or top target on the offensive side of the ball. Hunter Clegg is also in that top 247, Spencer Fano as well. And then you've got other guys like Leona Lee Fowl out of Kahuku, which is a program that Utah's recruited uh, very well from out of the state of Hawaii. Uh, and so, you know, again, just you, you go through the list. Um, Utah's bringing in a lot of highly talented guys and a lot of guys that, you know, they've been working on for quite some time. So um, pretty cool to see just the amount of talent that they're bringing in. Um, and Utah's, you know, doing well with a lot of these guys. So it's really cool. Do you think 2023 is the year that Utah finally signs a five-star guy? I know they've been flirting with it for a little while. They're finally mm. actually starting to pique some of these guys' interest at certain positions, but do you think they can actually land one? <laughs> That's so tough, right? Like, I think, I, I, I you know, personally, I, I said Lander Barton, you know, he's a five-star guy um, and was rated a five-star prospect by one, um, uh, by one recruiting service last year. So technically they already signed one, uh, last year with Lander, I think it was on three that had him rated as a five-star prospect, uh, which, you know, again, and he's he <laughs> he's lived up to it so far. Uh-huh. You know, he had a great spring, and uh, he's, he's uh, certainly uh, drawn a lot of optimism and confidence in his ability to make an impact, you know, this season. So, you know, he's going to be a guy to uh, certainly pay attention to. So in terms of, like, you know, 24-7 sports, we have our own ratings, our own rankings of, you know, our, our own 24-7 sports ratings and rankings. And then we have our composite, which compiles, you know, all the ratings and rankings throughout the industry. 
Will Utah be able to sign? Will they, you know, sign their first five star? I think they're in the game with a number of guys this cycle. I, like I mentioned, Anthony James, Walker Lyons are probably the two highest rated guys on the list right now. Spencer Fano as well. Um, you know, it could be maybe this year is the year that they break through and, and get a composite five star type guy, which would really be remarkable because to recruit at that level. Um, you know, normally that's for the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, you know, programs that just recruit a, in a different manner than Utah. Um, and you can read into what I said there, uh, <laughs> however you like, uh, we, we've heard Nick Saban talk about NIL and the impact Texas A&M had last year with that. So again, it would be pretty remarkable for Utah to do that. Uh, but considering the season they had last year with the Pac-12 championship, the Rose Bowl and their goals this year, goals and aspirations this year. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't <laughs> rule it out. You find the right guy. Uh, that's all that really matters. You just have to find the right guy that'll fit your culture, fit your program. And they're in the mix with, you know, a number of guys that really fit what they like and what they're about. Well, let, let's go ahead and turn our attention a little bit more to this year. I, I know that Utah ideally wants to try and bolster the roster in a few areas. Uh, the conversations I've had have primarily focused on wide receiver and defensive back. Are you aware of anyone that they're currently looking at to accomplish that? Or is it still kind of quiet in that area? You know, it's been interesting this year. So um, it was tough after spring ball because we just saw a number of guys leave the program, right? Like, I, <laughs> I especially felt the brunt of that uh, <laughs> anger and frustration because I was usually the one breaking the news that you know certain guys enter the portal and and it's tough. I think the thing to keep in mind is you know last year was the product of a scholarship crunch where you had guys that um, were were on the roster um, essentially. Utah, so you have your 85 scholarship limit. Utah was over that last year. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those guys that entered the portal, you know, that was a product of Utah needing to get under that 85 scholarship limit. So you know, where, we, where we usually have seen Utah be a little bit more proactive, you know, in recruiting the transfer portal and, and late summer additions, um, they haven't been able to do that as much because, again, scholarship numbers are so tight. But with that being said, you know, there's a couple guys and what's interesting is they've, they've scoured the Juco ranks, which um, has kind of become a forgotten resource with uh -huh. the transfer portal becoming what it has for a lot of programs. But keep in mind, Tavion Thomas came from the Juco ranks. He didn't come from the transfer portal. He came from uh, Indy, uh, which is a very well-known uh, junior college program if you're a, a Netflix subscriber. Um, and so that's where he came from last summer was uh, that Independence uh, Community College. And so Utah's continued to scour the JUCO ranks. And there's a couple guys um, that are on the radar. And again, they one is a receiver and the other is a safety defensive back type of player. And so that makes sense that they would uh, continue to to uh, to look at bolstering those options. We'll see what comes of it. Um, the safety has an official visit scheduled uh, for next weekend. His name's Jaden Pearson. Uh, he's got, I think he's got like Washington State and Florida State involved with him as well, uh, along with a couple others. But he'll be in Salt Lake City next weekend. And then there's a the the wide receiver there, 
pursuing. He's got a top five. He just released the top five, which included Utah and Texas Tech, among some other programs. Um, Taekwon, Taekwon Gilmore is his name. So those are two names to pay attention to. We'll see what comes of it. Uh, but again, just considering the scholarship numbers, which is something that you know you can account for on your own, which is something that I do and and feel like I have a fairly good grasp of. We don't know for sure the actual scholarship numbers, um, and that's that's okay. But yeah, it seems like Utah is in a pretty tight crunch with available space to make some of the additions that we've come accustomed to over the last few years. I think it's super fun that they're getting back to their roots with the JUCO route. They sure have had some spectacular players come yeah. out from from that area. When you think about guys like Devontae Booker, David Reed, uh, even going a little bit further back, Arnold Parker and Antoine Sanders were all yeah. JUCO products and and made huge impacts for the program back back in the day. And and like you mentioned, Tavion Thomas has been a huge huge factor for Utah in recent years. So we'll see what comes of that. Uh, I I did I still cruise the board on occasion, and I saw an interesting tidbit the other day that Utah actually spends one of the highest amounts as far as a recruiting budget goes in the Pac-12. And on one hand, that's kind of surprising, but on the other hand, it's kind of not. How has Utah's identity as recruiters and evaluators evolved in the time that they've been in the Pac-12? You know, that's a interesting question, Michelle, because, you know, you'll hear Kyle Whittingham talk about it all the time. Like the number one priority for us is recruiting. Like it's, top priority for us as a staff and uh, for, for the coaches, it's their number one job is to recruit good players. And, you know, when you look at the recruiting budget that they have, and we haven't seen the the latest, the, the, the number for this past season, but I'm sure it's one of the, you know, one of the higher budgets in the PAC 12, like it has been over the last few years. Um, it really is a sign that, you know, they put their money where their mouth is that, you know, they don't just talk, about recruiting being be being important, they are about it, and you know they hit the road, they travel, they get out to visit a lot of prospects. Um, they are on the road a lot, and they travel a lot. So that's you know, and they've got a, a staff that has grown uh, in terms of the available assistance that they have to evaluate and to watch film and to uh, be a part of that process. So they've they've grown their staff, they've expanded their staff over the last couple of years. Um, you know, guys like Reggie Dunn, Aaron Amama are, are some familiar names, former players that have joined that staff, uh, which is exciting. Uh, and so, you know, it really says a lot that Utah is willing to spend the amount of money that they are um, to recruit. Uh, but I think it's important that they do because, you know, they are at such a a vital point as a program where you're on the cusp, you're generating legitimate playoff college football playoff conversation where you're in that mix with programs like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Texas A&M this, this off season. Uh, it's important that they continue to capitalize on that and to have that budget, have the availability to get out on the road and to bring players in uh, for official visits. Like this, this month of June is a product of being able to get out and evaluate and to, spend that money it's it's important um you know it's important to have 
um, have that money available to the coaching staff where they can travel freely and do the types of things and bring guys in for official visits uh, like this. So, you know, it's, it's one of the, the lesser talked about things, but it's huge. And it's just, a, a, again, it's a thing where it's just a sign that Utah puts their money where their mouth is. They're about it. And, you know, they are all about recruiting, which is vital to their success as a program. Utah has been getting more preseason hype than I can ever recall, and you kind of touched on it in the last answer. Uh, You know, we're starting to see Utah being compared to the Alabamas, the Georgias, Ohio State. They're, They're starting to creep into that conversation, and it was really only like 12, 13 years ago that nobody gave Utah a chance against Alabama in the first place. So to see them in this conversation with these types of schools is absolutely crazy. 247 Sports recently projected Utah to the Peach Bowl for one of two semifinal games for the college football playoff against Alabama. You know, how realistic do you think it is for Utah to reach that peak in 2022? I mean, considering what they bring back and what they accomplished last year, um, you know, it's it's very real. It's very possible. And the fact that people outside of the market, outside of the region, outside of the Pac-12 uh, view Utah in such a manner, it says a lot about how far they've come as a program. Uh, you know, still a ways, still a way. Um, a ways away from having the amount of talent that some of these other programs have, you know, Ohio state, um, Georgia, Alabama, those programs recruit at an elite level, but with Utah, what they've done, they've developed a lot of very good players over, over the years, right? Brant Keithy has been here now five years. Um, Cameron rising has been here a few years now, three years, f- three or four years. I don't know exactly how many years, but he's been here a while. Um, you've got other guys in the offensive line room that have been here now multiple seasons. Um, you've got the depth. You've got the development now where you can compete with those programs and and legitimately um, content. And so it, it says a lot about Utah and what they've um, what they've done over the years and who they are as a program. They're still a player development program. But it really says a lot about how far they've come, that they are in the conversation with those programs that do recruit at an elite level, right? Like Utah still has a ways to go in in terms of bringing in that type of talent. And the exciting thing is like you're seeing those steps being taken, you know, this this summer and and this cycle, you know, like I said, going back to the list of visitors this June, that's a, a good sign of that progress. So, you know, it's 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 exciting, right? It's Mm -hmm. exciting to be listed among those programs and to be considered as highly as, as they are. It's exciting to think about what the season could be. Obviously with game one coming against Florida, uh, we'll learn really quickly how legitimate those uh, prospects are. Um, We'll see what this Utah team is all about. And the, the encouraging thing is like, you're hearing the right things about guys like Cameron rising and, and others in that program that they're, they're putting in the work, they're putting in the time and effort to continue to develop. Um, you know, they, they were not happy with losing the Rose bowl last year. I think that left a sour taste in a lot of the players mouths and, you know, they don't want to finish the season in a similar manner. They want to finish, you know, on a high note next year, they want to surpass 
what they achieved last year, which really says a lot. And, um, you know, it's been really cool to follow along uh, some of these players and their offseason workouts and what they're doing. Um, you know, they are they continue to <laughs> similarly to Utah and their recruiting budget. They're putting their their work, you know, uh, they're putting their money where their mouth is essentially and, and putting in the work that they need to, to make the progress and, and continue on that upward trend. So, you know, it's, it's really cool. It's really exciting to have that conversation, to have Utah included in that, in that conversation. And I think it's real. Like there are a couple contests next year, Florida, obviously USC, you know, with what they've done um, this off season and bringing in the amount of talent that they've brought in. Uh, that game is certainly going to be one of the, most important games, not just in the Pac-12 and not just for Utah, but in all of college football, we're going to learn a lot about, you know, the Pac-12 and where they're at in that game against USC. Um, And so, you know, it's next year is going to be a lot of fun. I think that, uh, you know, the college football playoff is a legit possibility for Utah. um, And they've got the means to accomplish their goals and to, to reach that level. You know, they all talk about it. They're not shy. <laughs> They're not shy to talk about it either, yeah. which is really cool. It's really kind of a, a unique thing where, you know, now that they've got that Pac-12 championship under their belt, you know, they, it's like, it's, it's sunk in that, yeah, we can do this thing. We can really compete at that level, which is really cool. Another really great development that's kind of come about is ESPN recognizing Cam Rising as someone that could potentially be in the Heisman conversation this year. Do you really think Rising could be a serious contender? And if so, what does he and Utah need to do in order to get him to that ceremony in New York City? Yeah, like that's, it's so cool to have a quarterback like Cameron Rising, right? Like back in, you know, he's the unquestioned leader of, of the team. And you think about what he did last year, um, nearly 2,500 passing yards, 20 touchdowns to just five interceptions. He added 500 yards on the on the ground, six more touchdowns. Like he was extremely productive as soon as he stepped in to the lineup, right? As soon as he stepped in in that San Diego State game, like it was immediate. His mm-hmm. impact, his presence was felt, uh, which was pretty unique. I don't think that I've ever seen that type of impact um, like that where it was just night and it was a night and day difference between him and Charlie Brewer. Um, and so that was that was kind of unique, and it really said a lot about Cameron Rising, um, you know, his presence on the field. And so I think, you know, what we've seen, what can Cam do this season? What is the the potential he has this season? And I think, you know, I think he has a, a legit opportunity this year to be in that Heisman race. Um, I think you look at the schedule, he's going to have games where he can have that Heisman moment, right? And I think that's always, it's one of the weird things about college football. You have to have a Heisman moment, you know, in, in a big game, you have to have a big moment and he's going to have that oppor- those opportunities this year mm-hmm. with some of the matchups. Um, you know, you've got Florida right out the gate, you've got USC and you've got Oregon. You've got three big games um, to really have that moment. But then the overall production, um, this is something that comes back to Andy Ludwig and the offense. And, you know, uh, I look back at the history of Andy Ludwig and quarterbacks that have served under him, Brian Johnson at Utah during his time here, um, Kyle Shermer at Vanderbilt, 
Um, and what we've what I've seen uh, is a career progression of guys that have spent multiple seasons with Andy Lug would they get better each and every year. And for me, in looking at what Cameron Rising has, the time that he has spent here with Utah and with Andy Ludwig, um, it's it's exciting to think that you know he's going to continue on that upward trend. And it's exciting because of what he did last year. Like I said, 2,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, 500 yards rushing, six touchdowns on the ground. Like building on that, I think is a legitimate um, possibility. Like it's not just a possibility. Like I think he's going to have a more productive season than he had last year. And part of that is, you know, he's the starter from the get go. Uh, He's got a lot of guys returning around him. I do think like he, uh, will will have a very productive season where he's surpassing that three hundred thousand or three hundred thousand. If he throws for three hundred thousand <laughs> yards, like yeah, watch out. Uh, yeah, um, no, no one else is winning that trophy. <laughs> yeah, no one else. Uh, but three thousand, you know, he's. I think he's going to surpass that three thousand uh, yard threshold. Um, I think he adds a few hundred yards on the ground, and and I think he's going to, he, you know, he's going to throw some touchdowns. He's going to run for some touchdowns. So I think that. Um, again, looking at the history of Andy Ludwig, I think that I have confidence that he's going to be able to build on what he did last year, which is going to be uh, very important for him and his Heisman candidacy, potential Heisman candidacy, uh, which I think we should be talking about because, um, you know, he is one of the top quarterbacks coming back this year and he has the production to his name. He has the game um, to get better, uh, the potential to get better and the game to do it. So um, I think that, you know, we should be talking about Cameron Rising in that manner. Real quick before we wrap up here, basketball has also been making some big moves. Uh, are, are they finished for 22-23, or do you think, and do you think those efforts will result in a better product this coming season? Well, I do think, like, the moves that they've made so far will result in a better product, and you know, part of that is the fact that they only won nine games last season, which so the bar isn't very hard. But I do think like this is going to be a much better team and a better team, a better equipped team to play the style that Craig wants. You know, a tough defensive team that's efficient on the offensive end that can be explosive at times on the offensive end as well. You know, they've added a, a very good point guard in, in Mikey Saunders. Uh, who brings that athleticism, that ability to create with the ball in his hands, which is something that they lacked last year. And the impact that that could have on the team this year is is exciting to think about. They've added size with um, uh, Ben Carlson. I almost said Brandon Carlson, but he was already on the team last year. So you've got Ben Carlson coming in from Wisconsin, a, a athletic power forward. Um, you know, this is a guy that it's, so bad, you know, when you ha- when you're like, hey, yeah, like he can get up and he can dunk pretty easily. Like when that's the bar as a power forward um, compared to what was here, you know, previously in in, in past years, um, you know, <laughs> like that's where we're at with this team is, you know, little things like that where you've got a guy that can play above the rim a little bit on both ends of the floor. He can be a rim protector, uh, a secondary rim protector of sorts. You know, he can go up, he can get rebounds, he can be a strong presence inside. Utah needed that. They didn't have that uh, last year. They just didn't have the depth. They didn't have the options uh, in the front court uh, at the power forward position, uh, and that cost them a few games. So they've addressed that with Ben Carlson and also Gavin Baxter 
coming from uh, from BYU and also Kebekita uh, out of Wasatch Academy. Um, and so they've bolstered the, the depth in the front court. They've added some talent in the backcourt as well and some versatility uh, with Mikey Saunders, Wilgins Exacte Jr., who, you know, I'm excited to see his impact. You know, he's a big guy uh, on the wing and an athletic guy that can do some things, um, uh, you know, uh, again, above the rim. And then you've also got a guy in, in Luka Tarlik who is coming from Europe, 6'8 wing, uh, can shoot it, can get to the rim. So I think just from the simple fact that Craig has improved the depth of the roster, he now has a team that can provide him a good 40-minute effort. I think that will result in um, a better uh, better results next season. They still have one spot available, uh, and we'll see what comes of that. I don't know like I don't know that they're in a big rush to use that spot right now. I think, you know, as guys return to the program, they're going to be returning to the program over the next few days and weeks and they're going to start workouts throughout the month of June. Uh, and I think, you know, the next month will be valuable for Craig to see what he has on the roster, uh to see where they could use utilize, you know, that last scholarship spot. Um, and I think you could see Craig um, go for another late addition like we've seen in the past with, you know, under Chris Goviak and before him where you make that late summer addition. So I think we could see that, uh, but we'll see. I think just in general, I think Craig has done a good job of uh, rebuilding the roster and rebuilding it with the right type of athletes. Um, they are certainly more athletic uh, this roster is, is more athletic than the one they had last year. And I think that's going to be that alone is going to be a big difference maker for Craig uh, and the run in Utes next year. Direct that red Kool-Aid into my veins, like uh, good stuff, Steve, as always, where can people find you if they want to look up your work? Uh, yeah. So youthzone.com, um content creator, uh, managing editor. We got a great staff and, uh, it's it's been unique with you moving on from Ute Zone. It's <laughs> definitely left uh, a, a big hole, um, you know, in terms of our production and and the quality of product. But again, so excited for you, Michelle, to be with KSL Sports and to be leading the charge there uh, as their Utah insider. Uh, excited to, uh, like I said, to be on this podcast with you, and and uh, it's awesome that you have this opportunity now to be uh, the leading Utah presence at KSL Sports. It's it's awesome. Uh, you deserve it. You've worked hard for it, and uh, I couldn't be happier for you. Uh, but again, you've left a big hole. And so that's not fun to figure out how to, uh, to fill that, that void with you now gone, Michelle. So, but it's, it's been good. So you can get, like I said, you can catch me at youthzone.com. Uh, you can catch the rest of the staff, Sammy Mora, Brian Brown, the rest of the crew, Dan Sorensen, obviously, uh, at youthzone.com. Awesome. We will definitely have you back on Steve, uh, for a little update, probably in July. That works. All right. Well, keep putting out the good work, Steve, and keep your ear to the pavement. Sounds good, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. All right. That is our first episode of Crimson Corner. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, go use.
a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.